Guys, we have a new sponsor that I'm uber excited about because I've actually been on the market looking for one of these for a very long time. And if you're like me and you start researching and then you find all of these different ones, and you don't know which one to buy. Well, that's me. And then I just don't buy any of them. So we got hooked up with a company and they're called Air Doctor. It's an ultra HEPA filter. So this is a filter that's a hundred times more effective than ordinary HEPA filters. And it's able to capture 100% of airborne allergens and pollutants. So what is that? Well, it's dust and pollen, it's mold spores, it's cigarette smoke, it's pet hair and dander, which thank goodness for me because I have a very cute dog, but best thing that she knows how to do is shed and it gets everywhere. What I like to do is have Air Doctor in my bedroom. So it's filtering out all of these allergens and filtering out all of these germs while I am asleep. The other great thing about Air Doctor's Ultra HEPA filter is that it captures germs and helps reduce airborne germs, bacteria, and viruses from up to 99.99%. Isn't that crazy? 99.99% of tested viruses and bacteria Air Doctor captures. Outside of that, you guys, they're giving you a huge discount. So this is one of the biggest discounts that we've done, and I'm super pumped about it. So if you use this link, bit.ly slash T-S-W-L-A-I-R-D-O-C, and I'll do it one more time because I know it can be a little confusing, bit.ly slash T-S-W-L-A-I-R-D-O-C, and you save $300. That's right. Isn't that crazy? $300. So the retail price normally is $629 for the Air Doctor HEPA filter. However, with this link, make sure you use that. Save this money. My goodness. Final price is $329 plus shipping. Let me know what you guys think. Let me know how you feel. It helps with allergies. It helps with pet dander. It helps with cigarette smoke. And honestly, even if you live in a place where someone used to smoke cigarettes, it's still there. You want this air doctor to keep you healthy and sane and thriving. I wanted to talk to you guys about our new sponsor, Let's Get Checked. Now they're doing testosterone tests where I find this really easy because it's uncomplicated. They can send it directly to your door. It's in discreet packaging so nobody knows. You can collect your sample. You get to review your results. And then from there, a nurse will contact you for a consultation over the phone and you get a prescription if you need. So what's really great about this is that you're able to check where your hormones are at. And I know for a lot of us out there, including women, it's really great to know where your testosterone levels are and for men as well. The first test that you get is your free testosterone. And that's the first biomarker that they test for. And why you want to know this is because your body uses it to produce sperm, maintain a healthy sex drive, maintain muscle strength and mass and produce red blood cells, which is absolutely important. So you guys check them out, get your testosterone checked, super easy. Don't have to go to the doctor. Plus we're quarantined right now. So you need to stay home. This is a really easy way to do it. Head over to www.trylgc.com slash wild love. I'll say that again for you. It's www.trylgc.com slash wild love. And you get to save 20% off. Wednesday, here we are again. Hey, Whitney. We're, here we are again, recording together again. I know, I know. We took a little bit of a break and we're back. It was too long. It was. But we needed it. We all need it. We all need a break at times. <laughs> you know, I think people needed a break from us. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
Maybe they did. I don't know. Maybe we all needed a break from each other. Who knows? Maybe everybody just needed a break from the normal. You know what? We're going back to normal, people keep saying. And so you and I sitting our asses in a chair and gabbing, is like that's the going back to normal that I can get behind and handle. Yes, I can too. I can too. I'm wondering like what, so here in Texas now, we don't have to wear a mask anywhere. And I was oblivious to that fact because I, I don't know, maybe it just became normal for me to wear the mask. And then now you don't have to wear it anywhere at all. Right, right. Similar, I mean, similar all across the country, right? Because CDC said um, vaccinated adults don't need to wear their masks outside first. They said that. And then they amended it uh, just days later to say that even indoors, um, vaccinated adults didn't need to be wearing their masks unless, um, CDC said, unless you're in a medical setting. Mm. Um, they said, or public transportation, I believe they said, or an airplane. So, right. Yeah. Like for, for everybody listening, probably, you know, there has been some big change regarding masks for sure. And a lot, you know, pretty recently, I mean, yeah, some big change regarding masks or just anything in their life. Like if everyone looks back to where they were one year ago to get today, it's just, it's kind of like blows my mind to look back and think about that. Me too. I mean, listen, from the perspective of social science, I take in, and just as a person, like you, I just take in the whole last year and what it did to us, what it did to us emotionally, what it did to us socially, what it did to our hormone profiles, um, you know, what it did to us physiologically psychologically. I I look at that as a social scientist. And then I also look at how after a whole year, and even people who didn't make a lot of changes, sorry, they were impacted. Like Mm -hmm. it's a a lot of news when the better part of 600,000 people die in the United States, right? Mm -hmm. It's getting to you on some level. Um, Even if you're not personally impacted, having lost somebody, like this is a trauma, right? It was a national trauma. And so I'm thinking about how after a year of trauma, now everybody's like, what's next? Yeah, back to normal. Like what does back to normal even mean for us? Okay, it means taking off our masks. Yeah. But dating. like that's really going to throw a whole new world for people is getting oh, out yeah. there and dating. Mm-hmm. What else? Yeah. Taking off our masks is like the first step, right? Right. And then, yeah, we're going to have to be real about this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a year since a lot of, I mean, in LA and New York where I live, people took it all pretty seriously. And so we're rusty at relating. I'm just going to say that rusty at relating because relating is a muscle, right? And when you're doing it, like all the, all the hormones are flowing, you're getting all your neurofeedback mechanisms are working the way they're supposed to, and things are going smoothly. But then when you take normal relating out of the mix for a year, that's why I said it, it alters who we are biochemically. So like, we're very different than we were a year ago 
on many levels. And I wonder about, you know, let's communicate to people, like let's adjust our expectations going back, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is because we can't be living by the same rules or thoughts or, you know, what we were doing a year ago. We're going to have to switch it up and see. And I think that's also really exciting. I find that exciting because I love the adventure and the unknown of, I don't really know how this next rest of the year or one year from now, how exactly that's going to go. There's a lot of different opportunities and different balls in the air. And it's just thinking like, okay, what, which way do I want to go? And I feel like so many of us have that, have this kind of opportunity to reinvent what type of life we want for ourselves. It's such a great reframe, you know, just such a great way to think of it. And I think a lot of people are feeling very optimistic, you know, they, um, I know some people that I've been talking to are, are able to get a job for the first time in a long time, or they're going back to their jobs. Um, but I also know a lot of people who they lost their jobs or whatever, and this is like a reset period for them and they're resetting themselves professionally. And like, that's, that's like a really positive way to look at it. I think that Mm -hmm. it's an opportunity for a reset Meanwhile, you know, I talk to people who um, you, you kind of expect that people would just be like, thank God, right? We can get back out there. We can go to bars. We can go to parties. We can um, just jump back into life. And I have been um, really noting how many people come to me. And granted, it's a self-selecting audience, right? I say to people like, Tell me what's going on with you. And anybody who feels like everything's great, everything's normal, is not going to get in touch with me, right? So it's kind of like a self-selecting pool of people telling me what's going on and how they're doing. So that's important to put out that caveat. Yeah. That, that said, though, a lot of people are saying to me, somebody said to me just today, oh my God, it's the return of FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> like, like one of the silver linings of COVID for a lot of people is there was no more FOMO. And right. now as everything shifts back um, after a year and we're taking our masks off and we're allowed to do gatherings, that FOMO is back. FOMO is making a return. Yeah. The bitch is back. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. How funny. What a, I, yeah, I feel that. Yeah, I, that, so, one, so, that one hit me. Did that hit you? Oh yeah, that one hit. Are me. you feeling FOMO in a way that you didn't during the pandemic when we were all just more kind of hunkered down? Yeah, I suppose so, but I feel like it's not quite yet. Like people haven't been fully going for the type of FOMO that I FOMO about. <laughs> so people aren't fully FOMOing you yet. They're not FOMOing me yet. No, uh, uh-uh. <laughs> and I feel like you know I'm really excited about my future and what's next for me. And I want to hear about what's next for you. And so for me, I'm in the place to where, like I said, I'm kind of reinventing my world. Um, I'm going to go sailing with my brother in St. Thomas here in a few weeks, which I've been dying to do for a really long time. Wait, you're in St. Thomas right now? No, no, no. I'm in Austin, but I'm going, I'm going to go sailing with him in in a couple of weeks. I was like, girl, you did not even tell me. Okay. No. I'm still in Austin, sitting on my living room floor, per usual. Okay. 
back to our usual glamorous lives. Right, exactly. <laughs> but sailing, that's going to be, that sounds great. I cannot wait. Mm. Um, and I think I'm going to go rent a place in Nashville for a couple of months and scope out the city. I've been flirting with moving there for a while. And what? Yeah. Wait a second. Oh, You're going to yeah. move. Wow. I'm thinking about it. I mean, I'm definitely going to go for a couple of months, get the vibe of the city, see how I feel there and see if I really want to be there. But yeah, I think eventually within the next year, I would, I would call Nashville home. Like if you like it, you're there. Yeah. And I don't really, I mean, I have a lot of friends and family here in Austin that I love dearly and I've lived in Texas my entire life, but there's just something like I'm ready for that kind of that unknown in that question mark of, I don't know what's going to happen while I'm here. And I don't know who I'm going to meet or what I'm going to do, but I'm going to go for it because why not? You're going to go for it. You're going to move to Nashville and see how it goes. Yeah. Uh I love that. You're going to go sailing first and then you're going to move to Nashville. Yeah, exactly. This sounds like a a plan. This sounds like a lit plan. It's a lit plan. It's been like in the works for a while. Cause did you know that I'm recording an EP right now? A country EP? No, I didn't know that (laughs) way to bury the lead. (laughs) Tell tell us about that meaning. Tell me for the first time. I need to know what? Yes. So music has always been a really big um, thing for me and passion for me in my life. I've always been a singer, but I've always been really terrified of doing it. And kind of just, Uh, I started picking it up and have been doing vocal lessons for quite some time now. And just kind of like the synchronicities that are starting to happen around it is, is undeniable. And so I'm just saying yes to it. And I got connected with uh, Matt Noveski out here, who's the basis for Blue October. It's like a really old, not a really old school, but like a, a band that people grew up with, at least in my um, generation. And so he's been really helping me and we're recording a country EP. And we have a couple of, uh, of labels who are interested in Nashville as well. So it's, I feel that draw and I feel that like, okay, do you, were you really want to try this? Like now's the time to do it or don't. This is so great. I, for everybody listening, I literally had no idea that she was doing this. Like I'm not (laughs) pretending I did not know. And usually she tells me, everything. This is amazing news. This is so exciting. I mean, I knew you you were getting more into challenging yourself to feel comfortable singing. Mm -hmm. And I knew you were playing guitar and I knew that you were really focusing a lot on music during the pandemic and you were getting a lot of joy out of it. Yeah, I love that you turned that joy that you got from music during the pandemic into a path. Yes. Yeah, it's something, you know, I don't know where it ends or where it goes, but I definitely want to at least start walking it, start walking the path and just see what comes up. Hey, you know what? You can't get to any place without walking through the unknown. Yeah. And one thing that's been a really big lesson through this is just being a beginner, like learning and like being okay with not knowing what the hell you're doing. Like, okay, fine. I don't know what I'm doing. So I have to ask questions that may seem really juvenile or simple to people who have been in the industry for a while, but that's, that's a part of being a beginner until you get better at it and you know how to do it. Oh, I love that sentiment. You know, being a beginner is the beginning of great things, right? I feel like that's something that you 
you know, do a lot when it comes to writing and researching. It's it's you going in as a novice and finding all of this information out, right? Oh, yeah. And, you know, to your point with what you said about just, I mean, you didn't exactly say this, but it can be humbling to be like, I don't know how to play a C chord. Like, I don't know right. how to, whatever, whatever it was, that, those challenges that I'm imagining that you faced, um, the author, Mary Roach, she's like a great, author of nonfiction. I really love her work. And um, she wrote a book called Stiff about like the science of death. She wrote another book about the science of sex. I can't remember what it's called. Maybe it's called Boned. I don't know. She (laughs) writes great books with (laughs) funny titles. And one of the things she said was, I always start from a place of total ignorance and I embrace my ignorance and I just oh. proceed to ask, like, so she proceeds to ask every question on a topic. And she said, sometimes my ignorance is so deep and I'm such a novice that when I'm interviewing the experts, I see this look of like shock or horror on their face about how little I know and how basic my questions are. <laughs> <laughs> that. And that, my friends, feels like what it means to just, restart in whatever you're going to be doing or go back to whatever it is you do now that we had this year away from it. And it also just feels like a great way to um, find out new stuff. I mean, Mary Roach's books are so fun and so funny and so smart and so informative because she's starting from a place of total ignorance. So just putting, I'm putting in a plug for like not being afraid to ask the most basic questions. And yes, that is what I do in my books. I mean, like I wrote a whole book about female sexuality. I started from knowing a lot of the lit, but there was so much that I didn't know. And I, I mean, when I interview medical doctors, it's not like I know medical discourse. Like I'm just, a lot of times when I interview an expert, Whitney, I am like, I have probably have a look on my face, like I'm drowning. Like, (laughs) It's a good thing that I can do the interviews by phone or Zoom without the camera on because probably the experts would be like, what's happening? Or is she having a heart attack? And it's like, nope, nope, I'm just learning. I'm just trying to keep up. Right. (laughs) You know, if, I don't know, if you're not learning, are you even alive? No, nope. No, you're not. not. I think think it's so great um, about the, the country music. I mean, you know what? It's one of those things that when you say it, I'm like, yeah, of course. Yeah. I knew Whitney when, when she was, um, before she was a big country music star and it just seemed like exactly something that she should and would and could do. Yeah. You know, That's there's, what I'm gonna thank be you. That's thank what I'm saying is I watched the Grammys. Oh my God. You're you know, come there. with me, girl. Oh yeah. I'm going to be with you at the Grammys. <laughs> and that's what I'm going to be saying to the people at the table. Yeah. I always knew. I always knew this about her. You would be the most <laughs> fun date to bring to really inner any dinner party, but particularly like a, a a show like that. I feel like because people would be very excited, but also enamored by you. And well, would want to talk to you. She's so much fun at a dinner party. You guys, we need to have a dinner party, Whitney, because <laughs> I, I feel that people feel that way about you. You are a magnet, and you know to celebrate that we are going back and to celebrate the return of, um, new careers. Um, 
embracing things that we haven't done yet, getting back to the things we haven't done for a year and feeling like, oh my God, I don't know how to do this. Mm-hmm. Being rusty at relating <laughs> and like just jumping into the water. We need to have a dinner party. You need to come to New York or LA or I need to come to Austin and we need to have a dinner party. Deal and right? done. We're doing it. That'd be fun. Who are we inviting? Oh my God. That's a really hard question. We're going to have to- Dream dinner party. Okay, listen, you guys. COVID is pretty much over. Who are you inviting to your dream dinner party? Mm. Mm. I don't know. I have to think about that one. But that's what's coming up for us, for sure. I feel like that's where everybody is right now, actually. Yeah. I feel like everybody right now is like, COVID is receding significantly. We're winning. Um, The vaccines are working. We're getting back to it. Now what? Who can I invite? Like, what am I doing? Right. What are you doing? I want to know what's, what's going on for you. What's up? What's next for you? Well, unfortunately, I'm not about to become a country music star. Like (laughs) some people on this podcast. God bless. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. (laughs) Thank you. Um, And you know what? I want to just say it again. I see it. Thank you so much. So clearly. When you tell some people, like here for everybody, when you tell some people what your dreams are, some of them are going to be like, well, that's just too big. Like, why are you even going to try it? And then there's going to some, some people are going to be like, fucking go for it. And you just have to follow what you want to do. Like for me, I'm going to get some pushback because people are thinking like, yeah, obviously it's incredibly challenging to do that, but there's no, I believe that I can. So I'm at least going to try. (laughs) Okay. I don't know who the people are in your life who are saying that for you to start becoming a country music recording artist is dreaming too big. I don't know who they are. Well, no one's saying they're that. They're not to my invited face. to our dinner party. Oh, no, no, no. They're definitely not. They're definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> definitely not. No one's actually saying that to my face, but it's also like, it's a little implied with so, okay. certain certain conversations that I've had, but like people in my circle are just like a hell yes. Like you have to do this. This is a must. Yeah, that's great. Well, that is a, yeah, it's a big dream, but like, if not you, then who? Yeah. Get out there. Yeah. I'm here. I'm here here cheering you on 100%. I feel Uh, it. So appreciate it. Okay. I wish I could say that I was making a big, dramatic, glamorous swerve in my life, but you're doing it for the team. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'm just, <laughs> as I think about now what, and like the post-COVID dinner party as a metaphor for just my life post-COVID. Well, first I have to tell you what has been going on during COVID, which is, you know, my husband and I have been living apart together, living together apart, I guess is mm-hmm. how people say it, or living apart together in a living apart together relationship, <laughs> an L-A-T-R. Yeah. Sometimes people call it. I can say that to Whitney because she's a relationship coach. Mm -hmm. But yeah, that's the little acronym. Living apart together relationship. L-A-T-R. Okay. So my husband and I have been doing that now for over five months. Yeah. I've been in LA with my 19-year-old and he has been in New York City with our 13-year-old who has in-person school in New York City. So just to back up a little bit, we were going bonkers all being under one roof, right? Mm -hmm. 
things just got crazy. And I think a lot of people were there. It's just hard. There's not any privacy. It's a lot of togetherness. So we basically just stumbled on this strategy. I'll be with one kid in LA because I love LA. And you'll be with one kid in New York because you love New York and our kids enrolled in school there. Mm -hmm. All right. You would not believe how it has freaked people out. Really? Oh my God. It's been so interesting. And I mean, I say it in a positive way. Yeah. Um, I've learned so much from being, from what we're doing with our relationship right now, what we're doing with our marriage. First of all, I want to highly recommend this for people. But I want to highly, highly recommend that if you are in a long-term living together relationship, you think about living apart, maybe not a whole continent apart. My husband and I, <laughs> I'm such an alcoholic. I'm just like, yeah, if we're doing it, we're doing it 1,500% of living, living apart together relationship. Yeah. Two different coasts, but like, you don't have to do that. But okay. So what I've learned is that people really equate living separately with the end. It's the end. Yeah. It's the end. (laughs) So people will come up to me and say, Oh my God, "Um, I'm so sorry. (laughs) Yeah. They're like, okay, so this, so you guys are separated now. And I'm like, oh, well, yeah, geographically we're separated, but I mean, yeah, we're geographically. Yeah. But are you separated, separated? (laughs) Um, Oh, no. And the first time somebody said it to me, it really like knocked me sideways because I realized, wow, we really cannot imagine people being married or in a committed relationship and not living under the same roof. Mm -hmm. We can't even imagine that. Wow. Maybe we need to get more imaginative. Well, that's what I love about what you guys did is you, is you figured out a solution. I know that you've always been talking about going to LA anyways and being in the sun all of the time. And so I love the fact that y'all were like, okay, let's figure something out here. And that doesn't mean that we're broken or anything like that. It's just, this is the next best thing for us right now. It's the next best thing for us. And you know, one of the reasons I recommended it is obviously it's not for everyone, but now I'm going to just be a data nerd with, you know, me hit us like, with it. Well, I think especially for women, this can be really good. Right. Cause like one of the things I, uh, really dig into in on true is how actually long-term cohabiting relationships are harder on women's libidos than they are on men's. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, a lot of sex researchers will tell you that women, in order to feel desire, need some separateness in ways that men in the aggregate don't. Now, we've been taught exactly the opposite, right? Right. Just read my book if you want to hear the whole argument. But the fact is that the data are clear that living under the same roof with your guy partner, if you're a straight woman, year in and year out, dampens desire. In general. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I just, (laughs) I'm not just uh, suggesting that people consider this because I did it and it worked for me there because it worked for me sort of practically in terms of 
being, you know, having some privacy during the pandemic, each of us getting great quality time with one kid at a time. Um, and, you know, just like engineering a little scarcity between each other after a lot of time apart, but also the data suggests that it can be uh, good for people's sexual relationships. So uh, especially women. So I'm just throwing that out there, the living apart uh, together relationship. Together. Yeah. So it has worked. And, but literally so many people are like, so are you guys getting a divorce? What about, what about, how did you guys talk to the kids about it? Was there you know, you know, a question it, it, for them got at all? It. it was so pragmatic. I mean, Elliot was, my 19 year old was in Uganda for a while, you know, with our dear, dear, dear family friends who we mm-hmm. really just consider them family. It, basically my Ugandan bestie was living with us in Sag Harbor. And she said, this is untenable. She was, you know, my, my 19 year old was, um, at loose ends as one would be my husband and I were, you know, it was a lot of proximity and stress. Mm -hmm. My 13 year old, um, you know, wanted to be around his big brother all the time. And his big brother was big and was like, not always wanting that. Anyway, my Ugandan bestie took a look at that situation and she said, I am taking him, meaning my older son, to Uganda. So wow. she just did. So she just did. So he went with her. We all came to, my husband and my little one and I came to LA all together, right? For like the holidays, for the winter holidays. We were like, we'll just stay because little one's school is going to be remote forever. <laughs> but before you knew it, school was in person again. And my husband being my husband just looked at me and said, you know what? You have been so stressed by living in New York. You have been telling me for 19 years that you don't want to live in New York anymore and that it's too much for you. He said, just stay here. I'll take him. I'll be on him. And then when the big one comes back uh, from Uganda, he can live with you. And we'll do that for a while. So it just felt kind of organic, Whitney. We didn't really need to explain it. I think if couples with kids decided to do it, there are enough people out there who have done it that you could talk to a shrink like um, my friend Leah Liss at Shameless Psychiatrist on Instagram or Tammy Nelson or somebody else um, who's really at the forefront of people rethinking their relationship containers and get good advice for what you would say to your kids or what you would say to each other. Because look, it's an option. This has to be an option on the table for people because marriage as we originally conceived of it, it's just, it needs a, it needs a refresh. And so the long-term, yeah, long-term relationships, uh, long-term live-in relationships, whether you're gay or straight or queer, whatever, wherever you are, um, it's time for us to get more creative. So yeah, I'm proud that we got creative. I really took note of how it flipped people out as a social scientist. I'm like, wow, anything that flips people out, it means that you're really digging into a concept and like violating some closely held beliefs. So what are those? So that has been really interesting too. Mm -hmm. And what's next? This is the other thing that, you know, I mean, Whitney, I've been in New York for like 30 years. The other thing that really flips people out is when they ask me what's next. And I say, I don't know. Oh, oh yeah. For New Yorkers, uh-uh. that doesn't come like, out of their mouth. <laughs> I don't know. You and I are talking toward the end of May. I don't yes. know what I'm doing for Memorial Day weekend. I don't know what I'm doing for much of June. I don't have that much of a plan for July and August. 
I don't know. I have kind of an idea about my next book, Mm -hmm. but like I'm in flux and I'm just trying to tell myself, you know what? This is normal now. Flux is normal. We're on the precipice. We came through a year. Everybody's like, yeah, go back to normal. There is no normal. No. So for me, for me, flux is my normal right now. And do you feel like that's helped you like de-stress or, um, I don't know, maybe make things a little bit easier as opposed to always having a plan or trying to figure it out beforehand? Yeah. I mean, I was always a New Yorker and a planner, but it's not like I was good at planning. (laughs) I have executive functioning issues. Google it. (laughs) And, um, so I, but, but yeah, I was in a culture of planning ahead. I mean, come on, Whitney, I was in a culture where women got pregnant in a certain month so that their kids could get into kindergarten at the right time. Oh, right. That's the culture. Yeah. What's the I was right from month? A, yeah. I was, I can't even remember, but you, wow. you want your kid literally in New York city, there's this idea of the bad birthday. Like you got knocked up at the wrong time and your kid has a bad birthday. And so they can't start school at the exact right age that would give them an advantage. (laughs) Oh my God. No, I swear to God, I'm not making that up. I believe you, which is so scary. It's so, and so anyway, I'm from that culture of really planning ahead. And I have, I've had to, um, it's been nice for me during COVID to have a break from that and for everybody to have to be forced to take a break from that. And now that we're back into planning mode, I'm like, I don't know that I want to go back into planning mode. Like, I want to know what my next book is, and I kind of do. Ooh, I'm I want so to know excited. when I'm, yeah, I'm, I want to know when I'm going to see my 13 year old and my husband, and I know that. But I don't have to know what the next 10 years are going to look like. You know, for the first time in my life, I'm not saying, well, when I get to X, then I'll be living my life. When I oh, get, wow, right. I'm not doing that. Well, 10 years from now, when X is happening, then I can relax. I'm mm-hmm. not doing that anymore. Well, that's just a constant chase. Yeah. Constant right? chase that we all live in, though. That's that's what society shoves down our throats. You have well, to have a plan. Five years from now, what does it look like? 10 years from now, what does it look like? Have more money, get married, do this. Yeah, that's always the drumbeat, right? Yeah. Okay, I have a question for you. Hmm. How are you handling the uncertainty of your move to Nashville and your new career? How are you stopping yourself from what I just described of trying to get 10 years ahead? Well, even, even as you say it, I can feel like some anxiety in my body. Okay, Clara. I'm really sorry. I did not mean to do that. No, it's interesting because that's where I usually get most of my, my insight from is like, huh, how does my body feel about this? And so to me, um, mentally... I have a lot of excitement around it, but clearly there's also some like, oh shit, I really have to let go of the reins here. I really have to, you know, not have that security as much Mm -hmm. and just kind of go with the flow even more. But, you know, I've always been a person who does that. Like I've never been the person who, when someone asks, okay, what's your five-year plan or your 10-year plan? I never had one because it was just like, I don't know. I'm not sure. I'll let you know as I go along the one, two, three, or four years, and then Mm -hmm. I'll let you know. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that mentality helps me a little bit. Um, But there's definitely still some anxiety of like, how is this really going to go? And if I go for this and it doesn't work out, how heartbreaking will that be? And what, you know, it's just like, there's certain thoughts that I have to be 
aware of. Um, yeah. But really, you know, I I just keep saying yes. I just keep saying yes to trying new things and yes to writing new songs and yes to getting in the studio and yes, let me try Nashville and yes, let me try this. It's Aww. that beginner mindset, you know, that we talked about earlier. Yeah. It's just let me be a beginner here and just see what happens because so far, you know, I've been so far things have really, in my opinion, worked out for me. There's been a lot of shit that's happened, but that's kind of a part of the journey for me. So it's just like, all right, so far I'm okay. So far it's worked out. So far I'm really happy. So far, yeah, right now you're you're good and safe and and the predict you know that the predicament is workable. Yeah. I know that I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I I love that. You know, I was just thinking when you said that with about how my friend Deb Kopakin has a new book coming out called Lady Parts. Ooh, which yeah. Is, oh my God, we're going to have her on. She's going to be on the podcast. We landed her for when her book comes out. So that's going to be really good. Perfect. Um, the book is basically about like being a woman in your body and going broke and having your body like get sick in really serious ways. Mm. And I don't want to give too much away, but it has a happy ending. But like, Deb really goes through a lot in this book. Like I watched her go through a lot in her life and she was always upbeat. Like even when things were really bad and she was crying, there was a, there was something beating inside her that was positive. And when I read the book, I understood because she said that at a certain point, maybe like when she was 50 or 51, she was like, you know what? Like I've always wanted to, to do improv, right? And so, yes, so she took an improv class and she said the guiding principle of improv is somebody brings something to you, right? In an improv acting class, they bring something like, oh, hey. And they, they pretend they have something in their hand and they're like, here's like a giant blue cat, right? And then you have to go with it. You have to build on it. And instead of being like, no, there's no such thing as giant blue cats, right? Yeah. So Deb calls that the improv mindset. She calls that yes and. So she decided that whatever life gave her, her answer would be yes and. She would accept it and she would build on it. And that's kind of of what you're saying, you know, about what you're doing. And um, that's kind of what we're both doing. It's yeah. like, yes. And that's like, such a good mindset. And I, and like, way, I want to really remember that. Yes. And yes. And yeah. The improv mindset. So improv is like life giving you a giant blue cat. <laughs> and instead of saying there's no such thing, you're like, okay. And also a country music career and yeah. also a new book and also a new way of being in a marriage. And also Having a new boyfriend, Whitney yeah. Miller. I know, I know. One thing that like, I also, when we talk about that, that I was working through when um, just kind of focusing on what I really wanted to be doing instead of all of the noise of kind of the attachments or the insecurities, how I should be living my life was I found myself when I looked to the future, I kept finding myself seeing all of the things that could go wrong. Like, of course, and maybe I go to Nashville and I don't meet anybody or like maybe no one likes me or my music doesn't do well, or I'm, you know, it's going to be embarrassing when this happens or whatever it is. But I started asking myself, what if this all goes perfect? What if this all goes really well? What if this all (laughs) 
actually works out for me? What if this all works out for me instead of just blows up in flames? And that question alone has been so huge because it's like, wait a minute, I keep looking to the future of what could go wrong, but how often do we look to the future and say, all of this could actually go right. So maybe I can just try that. (laughs) Oh, please. I mean, you know, that is so powerful and simple. You just add it to your repertoire. Anybody listening, if you're a catastrophizer, if you're a ruminator, if you're an overthinker, if you have a negative thought pattern, I love the idea of, okay, you know what? Just keep on. You be you, but then add this one thing. Yes, and. Yeah. Yes, Just add and. this one thing. Just add this one thing. Did someone- Sorry, that was Mr. FedEx. <laughs> Bringing me my drugs. <laughs> <laughs> That's for another episode. Is he going to um, come to mine next? <laughs> so next, he's going. He's just getting in his FedEx truck and just driving down to Austin. Next. Perfect. Um, but what I wanted to say was like, I I can so relate to running ca- like catastrophic scenarios. Like, oh my god, what if what if my new book flames out? What if I never write another word? What if, what if, right? And if I were you starting my country music career, I might not even be doing it because of catastrophic thinking, but okay. We can't always stop people's negative thought patterns, but we could add what you just said. Say it again. I loved it. What if all of this works out perfectly? Or what if this goes really well for me? Yeah. What if, yes. And yes. what if this works out perfectly? Yes, and add that. I mean, because I'm not going to say to people, stop catastrophizing, stop thinking negatively, stop freaking out about what's next. Stop. Of course, people are going to freak out. Of course, some of us are ruminators and brooders and overthinkers and we go to the negative. But exactly, I'm going to, Whitney, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try adding in your positive thought. Yeah, what if everything goes really well? Yeah. I think just adding that, as you said, could be really powerful. I love it. Yeah. And I'm the same. I'm the same way. Like I, I, I'm still going to have those negative thought spirals that builds this really terrible future (laughs) that is bound (laughs) to happen. But there's something that's like, it's almost like a pattern disrupt. That's like, okay, fine. I can have all of those thoughts, but also let me try these thoughts too. And which ones make me feel better right now? Okay. The more positive ones. I'm just going to go with that for now until the next time I want to ruminate on other things. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's such a good place for us to end because, you know, we started saying like, let's, let's address what everybody's thinking right now as, as we're supposedly supposed to get back to quote normal unquote is what's next. Yes. I mean, I feel like I can handle what's next a lot better if I ask myself, what if everything works out really well? In addition to saying, oh my God, what if I do a face plant? (laughs) Yeah. Well, what if I don't? Yeah. What if I don't? How exciting. You guys try it and let us know how it works. Yeah. Well, I'm so excited for your future and mine together. I can't. I'm wait. so excited to go to the Grammys with you as a date <laughs> and be Perfect. like sitting, sitting at the table. <laughs> I'm going to help you pick out your outfit and everything. Oh, hell yeah. Oh God. It's going to be good. It's going <laughs> to be good. And I'm so excited to, to visit you in Nashville. Yes. Have you been? I've never been. I've oh. never been to, to Nashville. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's very similar to Austin, um, they say, but I think a little bit, it's still different. I really love Nashville. Change is in the air, sister. Change is really in the air and I'm loving it so far. For I love both it. Of us. 
I'm glad I got to talk to you today. And um, I'm glad we're getting out another pod for everybody to hear. Yeah, me too. Well, enjoy your FedEx drugs. I'll let you know when he arrives here for me. Yeah, let me know. Keep me posted. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Love you and love you all. Love you. Love you, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this podcast. And if you did, it would help us a lot if you would leave a review. Yeah, leave a review, subscribe. We want to know how you guys felt about the episode. It really helps us out a lot to continue the success of the podcast and keep spreading our message.